Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 11.47 p.m. on Monday night. That means that our weekly service was uh, yesterday for me, um, and it was an awesome, super cool Sunday. I know I say that pretty much every week, but I promise this one was really unique and interesting and different. Uh, We did something we call biography. I believe it's like the third or fourth time we've done it. Uh, Basically, we give the band the week off. And instead of having music, we turn the microphones over to our people and let them tell stories. Um, The inspiration for this type of service comes from a storytelling event called The Moth. So that's pretty much where we got the idea for it. And basically each time we pick a theme and then everyone tells a personal story loosely related to that theme. The theme for this one was joy. Now, whenever you do something like this, uh, the thing is you never know what people are going to say. We don't really screen anybody and we just let them talk from the heart, uh, make sure it's a personal story um, and they can kind of spin it however they want. And so uh, we come in, you know, knowing nothing about what's going to happen, just like the rest of the people who are listening. And um, man, what a... I hate to use the word powerful. That just seems like something that a, a cheese ball church would say. What a powerful day. But like, it was pretty powerful. Like the stories that were told, the vulnerability, um, getting to know each other on a um, more intimate level. I, I think it just brings us closer as a, as a faith community. And so um, as a treat, we left all of the stories in the podcast instead of just Hannah like you would normally get. So this is going to be a little longer than usual, but it's totally worth listening to. Uh, there are four different speakers plus Hannah. Uh, also, a small warning, whenever Hannah comes up at the end, her microphone sounds a little funky for a couple minutes before we uh, fix it. So forgive me. Uh, we were in a new location this week for... Uh, for two weeks, we've been kicked out of the St. Pete Opera. We are hanging out with our friends at the Mar, which is owned by Dave and Heather. You'll actually hear from them in the podcast episode. Uh, and I, I don't really have any announcements because we talk about all the announcements in the episode. So uh, all I got to say is this was awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who participated. And let's uh, throw it over to my good buddy, Isaac. So I understood that joy is this huge positive um, emotion or, or feeling that contains pure happiness and hope and celebration and also a sense of peace. So I started to look back into my life trying to find a story where all these things or emotions were together as a joyful time. And after pondering and thinking about it... Um, I couldn't find just one specific story, but I just saw like my whole life as one story, Uh, my whole life in general, where there is a before and after when it comes to experiencing joy. And the two things that I did or or that happened and those things made it to be before and after um, where when I came out of the closet and secondly, when I started to deconstruct my beliefs. Those two things were the things that were the before and after when it comes to to joy in my life. Um, So before coming out and deconstructing my faith, or starting to to deconstruct, because this is a process that takes time, 
Um, before that, I recall having very authentic uh, moments of joy. But these uh, moments of joy were very sporadic and very short. For example, my birthdays or going on vacations with my family. The first time I came to the United States, I was, oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, Christmas Eves with family, opening the gifts, the food, uh, going on vacations again, or even at church, I used to lead the, the music band, like the main voice. That was very exciting and joyful sometimes, for the most part, actually. Um, going out with my friends or going to the premieres of my favorite movies, like all those moments, very specific moments, were super joyful. Like, I remember having this happiness and sense of excitement and kind of peace because I'm having a good time. But even though those were very specific moments of joy, they wouldn't last that long. They were very like 10 minutes, and then I would have these voices in my head saying constantly, um, you're broken, you are worthless, you are wrong. Uh, there's no hope because I've been praying for this thing in, in my life, and it's just there and never goes away. So even though I had a, a moment of joy, it would be like, why am I joyful? I shouldn't be joyful. Like... I don't deserve this. Um, I remember that that feeling of of, of um, hopelessness. If that I don't know if that's a word. Hopelessness, yes, um, was so deep and really bad. I remember it was so bad. I was so depressed, and I remember calling myself also a liar because I was always with this mask, like, oh, everything's fine. Uh, I'm a son of a pastor, so I was leading the, the worship time, and all this is happening in my, the back of my head as I was leading worship, so I was like, I'm such a failure and such a lie to everyone. So I never really got to experience what I now understand what joy is. Um, to me, the idea of accepting that I was part of the LGBTQ plus community was so scary. And so, um, like, it was not possible. Like, I was so scary of that. Because I would, I, I would think that I would, that would bring uh, shame to God and shame to myself, to my family. And I would, go, I, would, I would go to hell. It would be, like, crazy. And that deepened and deepened every day until there was a time when we had to leave my home country Back in 2015, um, we had to leave everything behind. I started college, and then two months after, the things got crazy in my home country. My family started being persecuted, so we had to leave everything, come to the United States, start from back, back from square one. And at the same time, when all this storm was happening, I was in the back of my head having this thing for my whole life up to that point. And two years ago... I was already just so bad inside that I hated myself in a way that I just, it was so deep, the hatred that I remember feeling for who I was. And that was so bad. And now I'm speaking like it's nothing, but it was really bad. And 
there, there was a time where it was so bad that I almost committed suicide a couple of times. Um, I worked for Amazon Flex. I don't know if you, you know what that is. Like you drive, you, you drive your car to a warehouse, you pick up the boxes and deliver it around Tampa. So a couple of times I was about to like just crash my car against the breaches or something. It was a very, very crazy time in my life. Um, so one day after those two episodes, I had, I had said nothing to anyone, so it was just me and God, I guess. Um, just one day I felt this warmth and kind of peace as I was crying and, you know, all those emotional things that happen when people are super depressed. And I remember um, this kind of warmth that I cannot really explain and this sense of peace. And I remember talking to myself like I was God, like, talk, like God talking to me through myself, which is a crazy idea. But <laughs> and I remember saying like, hey, Isaac, and this was me talking to myself. Hey, Isaac, you're OK. I love you. Just as you are, you'll be fine. And right there, I remember that I felt an overwhelming sense of peace. Like, wow, this is really happening. Like, why am I feeling this well, like, this good? And also, I started feeling really, like, okay, but also scary, because this kind of sense of peace was challenging what I was taught of was God, what God thinks of who I am as an abomination or something. So that sense of peace and starting to feel actual joy was challenging my beliefs because I'm not supposed to be okay with this and I'm supposed to accept that this is fine. I'm not supposed to be joyful about this. So it was there when the construction started. So it was actually combined those two things. So then um, I started to research and read and pray. And the more I did that, those voices in my head started to just go away and just disappeared. And then I were, were able to experience joy, like knowing that God loves me and knowing that I can now use my experience to help other people who, have, who might be going through the same thing. Um, so I'm really thankful for my journey because even though it was painful and hard and almost brought me to death in a way, um, it is now helping me help other people. And I feel so much freaking joy <laughs> about that. And coming to different church was in the middle of that process because, okay, I started to challenge my beliefs and to question things that are not supposed to be questioned in most uh, churches, denominations. Um, so when I started coming to different church, this faith community has really played a huge part of the joy that I have now. So I'm really thankful. I'm really honored to be up here, actually. And um, that's pretty much my story, I guess, of joy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's next. Oh. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, that was great. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I, I don't know. Have, maybe you've been in a situation where, like, um, I've been in situations where I want to talk to somebody about church, faith, the Bible, whatever, 
And um, this is kind of scandalous, but like, here's an example. I don't know if maybe the story of Jonah might not have literally happened exactly how it says in the Bible. Maybe it's more of like a metaphorical story. This is the thing I believe. I know, gasp, right? <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's really cool and fun to talk about, but I've been in situations where I felt like weird to bring it up to people, like in a conversation about religion, and it sucked. Like I like had to kind of like not be myself, and that's like, I don't know, 0.01% of what other people have experienced. And uh, so I just, you know, want to say I'm sorry, that sucks. And I want to say thank you all for helping to create a community where it's not like that. You can be yourself. And uh, I just, I'm really proud of all of us for being that place. So thank you guys. Okay, so are you nervous yet? <laughs> okay, so the next speaker might be a little nervous, so you have to do me a favor. Give her, like, all the good vibes, all the energy, clap, laugh if she tries to be funny and just isn't funny. Like, laugh anyway, okay? <laughs> like you do for me, exactly. You all remember the Canada joke. <laughs> I know you're going to tell it later. Anyway, clap it up for Allie. Come on up here. friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I'm Allie. If I haven't met you yet, I've been coming to different uh, since June when I moved to St. Pete. Um, just like Isaac, when Hannah asked me to speak today, I had no idea what I was going to say, but I was like, I'll do it and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> um, but I started wondering what brings me joy. And so I wanted to share with you guys where I first noticed my personal joy. Um, and what it means for me now. So, <laughs> um, in the summer of 2018, I went on a missions trip to Greece. And most people are like, what do you do on a missions trip to Greece? <laughs> um, but it was in the height of the Syrian refugee crisis. And so our main focus was um, working with them. Um, and I can talk about all my experiences on that trip another time, because I can just talk and talk <laughs> about that. Um, but I think this trip is where I found my joy, like for myself. Um, so my joy, I realized, came from creation. And what I mean by that are that on this trip, um, I had a new appreciation for creation. And so uh, specifically, what brings me joy are nature and community. So on this trip, um, looking out the window of our van, going to our next project and seeing mountains, um, sitting in the grass looking at the place where Paul was imprisoned, um, standing on Mars Hill and overlooking Athens, helping Syrian families in a way, in any way that I could, um, and seeing that they themselves had joy even in their crisis because of their community. Um, exploring a Greek island on ATVs, which is kind of scary. <laughs> um, I never thought I would do that, but that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and just having meaningful conversations um, on our rooftop with my team, um, which would later, that part would later play into like me coming out and um, accepting who I am. Fast forward to 2020, that uh, skips a whole two years. <laughs> um, I was truly enjoying my last semester of college um, and taking it all in before graduation and we had spring break and then COVID happened. <laughs> um, 
And my family lives in Virginia, so I flew home. Um, and I never came back. <laughs> they said we would be gone for two weeks um, because they didn't think that it was going to be this huge deal. And it was. So um, I never came back. I finished my semester virtually. I graduated virtually. I was not a happy person. My family can tell you I was not happy. <laughs> um, but throughout this time, I remembered what brought me joy um, two years before while I was in Greece, nature. So I decided to start exploring the town I now lived in. Um, I tried to go maybe once a week to a new park or outdoor area and just sit and take it in. Um, I loved having that time by myself in nature um, and community, my family. It was a very different dynamic being all adults living in a house together. <laughs> um, and I had been away at college and my family had moved to Virginia, so it was just really weird. Um, but it was, I was very grateful to be around my favorite people during this uh, very confusing and difficult time. <laughs> um, now, moving to St. Pete was a little scary and very stressful. Um, I drove down here from Virginia with my car fully packed and my mom's car fully packed. <laughs> um, but I had one problem. I did not have a place to live. That was not set up yet. Um, in my heart, I knew it would work out because it always works out. Like, I just take the jump and God will figure out the rest. Um, but my heart hadn't told my mind that, so I was freaking out. <laughs> um, so three days before I started my new job, I found a temporary living situation, which was like, thank God, because I didn't know what I was going to do. And my family had to leave. And we had two cars full of stuff. <laughs> um, and then I got approved to rent a place. And it just all worked out. Um, once I settled into my job and found my first place, I started exploring my new city, so nature. I went out to different places and just sat on the grass um, or set up my hammock and just observed what surrounded me. I've spent countless afternoons sitting on the beach watching the sunset, which I really missed in Virginia, <laughs> um, and community. I'm so grateful for the people that God has led me to in this new city. I met some pretty amazing people at Different, and they teach me new stuff every day. <laughs> um, and now I'm very intentional with these things. I make sure to carve out time each week for both nature and community. My love language is quality time. Um, so my time with nature is my quality time with me. And my time with my community is my quality time with my amazing friends. And they're both my quality time with God. And that's what brings me joy. <laughs> All right, uh, announcement time. So, Sunday fun day. If you want to hang out after church today, we are still doing that thing. Uh, we're going to go to Trophy Fish. Uh, Hannah saw that it was like the coldest day in the past 10 years in, in the Bay Area, and she's like, let's eat outside. So... <laughs> Trophy Fish is right down here. Um, it is outside, but if you've been outside recently, it's actually awesome right now. The sun's out. It's beautiful. So right after service, the good news is we have hardly anything to break down. Uh, so we'll be there pretty quick. Um, also, small groups are coming up soon. Uh, take your phones out if you want and go to diff.church. That's kind of like the hub for all things different. From there, you can let us know, you know what you thought about today, if you'd like to see more of these, if you'd like to see none of these anymore because you don't like people talking about things and stuff. <laughs> 
or uh, you can join a small group. Uh, they're starting in the next like week or two. We've got three groups. Uh, Tampa group, stand up. Woo! You don't actually have to stand up. Uh, St. Pete group. Bah. Yeah, Tampa, what the heck, man. Um, and then we have a, a third group. We usually do like this online Zoom thing, and we still are, but it's a very specific type of online Zoom. It is about deconstructing, about uh, deconstructing your faith. If you've done that, I don't know if you can have done that, but if you've gone through something like that and you want to talk with other people about that sort of thing, uh, you can sign up also at div.church. Um, it's, I think it's a 10-week course, um, and it's limited a number of people. And last I heard, there was only a few spots left. So if you want to do it, there's three spots left. Boom. Three spots left, eight weeks. So sign up if you want to. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, also at Dip.Church, you can give if what we're doing is something that you find meaningful. Um, what else can you do there? Uh, prayer requests. If there's anything going on in your life you would like prayer about, or if there's anything awesome, we can, uh, we'd love to celebrate in prayer. Cool? Cool. Uh, okay, we've got two more people, then Hannah. So let's keep it going. I heard this person actually went to seminary. Is that true? Okay, okay. All right, whatever. Like, it, you'll still probably be, be fine at this. <laughs> All right, clap it up for Aaron, everyone. Aaron, come on up here. When your hype man overhypes you. Um, <laughs> um, so when Hannah asked me to speak, she sent me this cute little text message, and she led with, uh, feel free to say no. And my first thought was, I probably will. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite word. Um, I use it a lot. The people on the front row are laughing because they hear me use it a lot. <laughs> um, and then she said, joy. And I was like, well, now it's absolutely a no. Uh, so when I eventually did say yes, um, I have this cute little spot on my notes where it was like, explain why, and I'm still trying to figure that one out, so I never filled it out. Um, joy has been something that's been really hard for me um, for most of my life. So I grew up hearing all these stories about myself when I was a kid, that I was just like the happiest, easiest baby and that I was happy all the time, and there's all these pictures of it. But I had none of those memories. So I, when I was six, I experienced a pretty extreme trauma, and I have no memory of anything that happened before that. And the few memories I do are what I learned when I went to um, get my, I'm a therapist, um, sorry, um, <laughs> are called figmented or um, fabricated memories, and they're memories that your mind actually creates around stories other people have told you or pictures you've seen of yourself. But they're not actually your own memories. That's why you'll have specific parts of those memories, and then when other people are telling it, they don't always line up, because it's something your brain made up. So after that, I became just really scared, angry kid, almost overnight, and no one knew why. And I was constantly being reminded of this person that I used to be that I had no memory of. Yeah, I'm really bad about talking with my hands, so the mic's going to do this. And you'll see Hannah do this, and then my mic will come back up. <laughs> so I had all these memories that are being told to me of this person that I don't know. About this just happy-go-lucky kid that was full of joy. 
I didn't know who he was, and I actually learned to hate him because there were all these expectations that were set up for me from this person that I didn't know. So then I, had a, I literally developed this weird hatred from my younger self because there was this expectation that I was supposed to be this joyous, happy kid, and I wasn't. And as I grew up, I started getting angry. And there was this just like pressure. I don't know if y'all have seen the new Encanto movie, but that surface pressure movie hit me a little harder than probably it should have. And I grew up in this really conservative evangelical family like a lot of people do. And so there's also a lot of expectations around that. So looking at me, you may not think it, but when I was a kid, I thought I was the straightest thing ever. <laughs> because growing up, you're told like, gay boys like girls. I loved girls. All my friends were girls. <laughs> then I hit puberty and I was like, oh, oops. So then there's this piece of my identity from when I was a child, this joyous thing that was fractured. And then I had this other piece of me, which was my spirituality. And when I realized what my sexuality was, it fractured too. So all of this joy that I'm supposed to have just keeps slipping away. And then I had all of these scriptures constantly playing through my head. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I didn't have it. And what are supposed to be like these super like building up scriptures just tore me down constantly. And then there were some that were weaponized against me. Um, Deuteronomy 28 talks about how because you didn't delight in the joy of the Lord, wrath is going to pour out on you. And that's just what I began to anticipate in my life. It was just like this awful wrath. And at this point, you're probably like, you're supposed to be talking about joy, and you're a real bummer. <laughs> we'll get there. And so then I hit puberty, and I get to college, and I think, okay, I can escape. I can put all of this behind me. I can start again. I came out. I went on my first date with a guy, and I was like this super excited, and I felt happy. Not quite joyous, but happy. And that date ended with rape. So that was another part of my identity that fractured and cracked. And that little bit of joy that I had been holding on to just kind of felt like it slipped away. And I didn't feel like I had anything left. I felt dirty. I felt like everything about me was wrong. About six months later, I got diagnosed with, well, they couldn't actually figure out what it was at first, but they told me I was going to die. I was 20. And I was relieved, because I was like, OK, at least it's going to end. And I'll be OK. And I wound up in the hospital for about a year. I had to medically withdraw from school. And I went through like five specialists. Um, I'll be happy to share more with that story if you guys individually, but I won't waste your whole time with that. But everyone else was like super down about it, but I was just kind of ready for it all to be over. And I remember throwing up this weird, like half-hearted prayer. Uh, it was really, I was a minister at the time, but also like, I believed in God, but I also believed like he was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember throwing up this like half-hearted prayer one day before one of the surgeries that I had to go through. And it was just don't let me wake up. But if you do, I want to be done with this. And if you're real and I'm done with it, 
I'll try to find something in life again. I'll try to find you in life again. And when I, I went through the surgery and I woke up fine. This was this like weird incurable disease and I woke up fine. Like the doctor, like the insurance company was like suing the doctor because they were like, this, this guy. So like I had to have all these tests to prove that I wasn't sick anymore. And they all came back negative. And then so the insurance company was like suing the doctor like, you can't get cured from this. But that's not where I found joy. I found frustration because now what? I still have to keep doing this. And then once again, joy became weaponized against me because I'm supposed to be happy to be alive. I'm supposed to be happy about all these things and I'm not. And so I was just broken. And then some things started to shift for me. I started to remember about the prayer and I was like, okay, how do I find God? If the joy of the Lord is my strength and it is supposed to be a positive thing, how do I find it? Where is it at? And I actually wound up in Genesis and this is, I'm actually gonna read the whole thing. I hope it doesn't take too long. It's just Genesis 26, 31, it's the creation of man. And then God said, let us make man in our own image. And that gave me pause. Because as someone who has grown up that you're born into sin and you're bad and the idea of God making us in his own image. But he said our image. So we were made in the images of the heavenlies. And so it began to swift, switch in my mind and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle of the earth and over everything creeping that creeps along the ground. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply over the earth and subdue it and rule over it. And then God said, behold, I have given you every plant, everything that crawls on the ground and every tree, everything that yields seed that is food for you, every beast, every bird, everything. And this is my favorite part. God saw all he had made, and behold, it was good. And that was the first time I ever looked at myself and thought, I'm good. The things that are inside of me are good. And that's when I started trusting myself for the first time. And y'all, I am not an expert when it comes to joy. But that's when I started finding little bits of joy in my life when I started trusting that God actually did live inside of me and the Holy Spirit wasn't like this weird thing that was like in some kind of weird cavern that was in me but not part of me, but that God himself was part of who I am. And that's when I started finding joy because I started trusting just because it's something that I love doesn't make it bad. And that there is beauty in taking those leaps like Allie did. She, made, she took a really scary leap. I made a similar one when I came down also in June. I didn't know anybody. Now there's a whole row of people that I love and adore, and I love everyone here. And I've started not hating that little boy anymore and actually starting to relate to him, finding myself happy, sometimes even joyous. Thank you.
Holy crap, that's awesome. <laughs> so my name's Dave. Um, typically, typically, you'd see me on stage playing drums with the band. No band today. Um, but my wife and I are the owners of this spot. It's called the Mar St. Pete. Uh, we just wanted to give you a, a little quick rundown of what we are and also thank you for being here. Uh, we're super proud of this place. Um, we're a performing arts... <laughs> we're performing arts... Uh, incubator and studio. Um, so behind me you see this giant black curtain. It can be pulled back and it's floor to ceiling mirrors. The floor you're uh, sitting on is a dance floor. <coughs> so typically our clients are movement-based like dance, um, like we have Bachata Fuego, uh, Ballet Academy of St. Pete. But it's our, our thoughts are uh, to take the um, the model of an incubator that they use in tech companies, but apply that to performing arts. So if like you have a dance company that's too big for your living room, um, but not big enough for your own spaces to come here. Um, Jared and I go way back, uh, and we've been with different church since it was in Bree's living room like two years ago, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, we're, we're so stoked that you're here. Uh, we're so stoked that Diff Church wanted to use our spot um, and if you have any questions or if you know anybody who wants to use our spot, let us know because uh, we want to be a, a community sort of centerpiece for the performing arts. Um, so, yeah, thanks again. Uh, I think we're going to bring up Steve next. Thank you. Here's the definition of being open. You think you know what you're gonna talk about, you feel good about it, and then you listen to three other people share their hearts, and you're like, that's not what I'm gonna talk about. Does that ever happen? <laughs> that's why I have no notes. And I have a huge comb. You know why I have a huge comb? Because I lose combs everywhere I go, and this was the only one I could find today, so it's like, this is not a statement of any kind. <laughs> I was thinking, I'll tell you what I've been thinking about, um, not just the past week or so, uh, but in every situation in my life, I try to think about how I can sabotage that situation by having wrong expectations of what should be, of what can be. And sometimes they're, they might be good expectations. I'm imagining you know, the way a perfect world should be, which of course it never is. And there are some people, you probably know them, they spend their whole life complaining about everything that's wrong. They can itemize the offenses that have hurt them like their whole life. And some people get stuck there. And it's, it's just their whole life is some expression of their complaint. They started out getting bitter about something. And that bitterness was directed in like one direction. Maybe it was against someone that hurt you. For me, it was my mother. But later, she's out of my life. You know, it's all directed at me. You know, my expectation for who I'm supposed to be and what my life is supposed to be did not match any, any kind of ideal. But that's what human beings are. We judge everything by a reality we've never experienced. We think about perfect justice. We can all think about that. The little kid can think about that. You don't have to train him that when the bully takes his lunch money, that, by the way, this is bad, so you should feel bad. We know, something inside us knows what's good and what's not good. And we look at situations and we go, but the world is not like that. We look at situations in our life and we say, that's not fair. I don't like the way that affected me. Things attack our self-image. They attack our sense of our value. 
And, um, and, and I went through these kind of things as a child too, not coming out or anything because I'm, I'm pretty hetero. Um, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I, I had a mother um, who, who really emotionally abused me. And I don't want to talk about all the stuff I went through because that's not the point. Uh, but the point is I came out of it all uh, having learned the lesson very well, as deeply as you can learn it, that I just was a piece of crap. I wasn't worthy to exist or whatever. And the funny thing, as much as you might hate the source, and as much as you might say, I don't agree with that, the reason you're screaming so loudly is because something inside does agree with that, you know? And so for me, when I think of joy, it has a lot to do with overcoming expectations and accepting not just me, but accepting my life, accepting all the events of my life, this sacred story I'm in the middle of, beginning to see it like it means something, you know? And whether you believe that God's in control of everything or whether you're just the agnostic that just sees that in life there are situations we go into where we make choices how to respond to them, and those choices are a big part of who we become. And so I spent decades trying to overcome um, the damage that was done to me. And on the one hand, I can say, yeah, I overcame it wonderfully, but I didn't really do it. All I did was I continued to live the story. And what ended up happening was because of the things I had to overcome, I became a person that I would not have been had I not gone through that. And, and other people, by the way, were talking about this too, coming to a point where you can actually reach out and help other people that are like stuck where, where you were at. And one of the things that, when I think about joy, it's like you're not going to have any joy until you overcome the false expectations of, you know, first of all, what should have been, but also if you start hanging on to bitterness, you have false expectations of how every situation you go into is going to go wrong. Your bitterness metastasizes. It becomes like the lenses through which you see the world. And, um, and so you have to overcome that expectation when you go into a situation, you're looking for all the ways that I could be you know, betrayed or abandoned, you know, or hurt or devalued the way I was before. And when you're looking for that, obviously you're going to find it. And you kind of sabotage the situations. Um, you actually end up making these things happen. And um, it's because somebody said something before about I didn't feel worthy. That's huge. You know, if you don't feel worthy of happiness in your life, if you haven't accepted yourself and seen the value in you and the beauty in you, it's, you just can't really accept God's blessing. You've got to be okay with you. And you've got to be okay with your life. So for me, looking back, I, I sometimes tell my students, if I had a time machine, I'd like destroy it before I got tempted to use it. <laughs> because everything has in the end turned out so well. I mean, because of what I had to heal from, I understand a lot more the kind of trauma that people are trying to overcome to find uh, peace and meaning and purpose and hope in their life again. And by the way, all of those things are part of joy. You know, we were talking about that before. You know, joy involves peace with what is. Joy involves um, seeing meaning and purpose and beauty, you know, in what is and not thinking about what should be or what went wrong. And... Um, so I look back and I see that I wouldn't be the person I am if I hadn't gone through these things. Interestingly, later in life, um, my father died and, um, and I buried him since I'm a minister at Arlington National Cemetery. And my mom lived like another 22, almost 23 years after that. It was crazy. And, um, and she ended up basically alone, losing most of her memories. 
And it's like, I was, I was just like the only one. My sister would never see her anymore. I was like the only one that cared, I guess. And I ended up spending more time with her. At the end of her life, she'd forgotten everything in her life except for two things. She somehow remembered that I was her son and I loved her, probably because I was the only person that used to love her that she had seen. She'd forgotten her husband of 50 years, but somehow she remembered me and she remembered what destroyed her, what damaged her, what just convinced her, you know, that, that she was gonna build a wall and not let anyone in. It happened when she was five years old. And her father caught her like touching the knobs on his radio and he was so mad he picked up her doll, which we're talking like way back, okay? Dolls were not something you just went down and replaced at the local Walmart. But he took the doll and he broke her head. And now the eyes didn't open and close right. And it just so damaged her that she just built a wall after that. And she kept that wall up her entire life. At the end of her life, the only way that wall ever came down was God somehow used the dementia to cause her to go right back to that point where she was hurt at the very beginning when she was a little girl. And I've got this woman, she's 95 years old, okay? This is the woman that made my life miserable as a child. This is the woman that I love dearly, I understand, you know? And, and I realize, I mean, she's a product of what her father did to her. And compared to her father, I mean, he was an evil SOB. Compared to him, she was an angel of mercy, but I couldn't see that as a kid. You don't have that kind of perspective. So anyway, I've got this woman looking at me, and I can see in her eyes, I'm, I'm talking to a five-year-old girl. And she looked at me, tears in eyes, and she goes, why did my daddy hate me? And I said, because he was an evil son of a bitch but you were a beautiful child. And she went, oh. And you could just see it, it was healing. It's like God went all the way back to where she was first damaged and, and healed her before she died. And I mean, the irony of who it was that God used, the one that was so damaged by her, but somehow God had done a miracle in my life where I had learned to own my story. And... <laughs> I hear everybody saying kind of that in all of your different testimonies. On some level, you had to own your story, own who you are. And you had to see it as it's meant to be. Like I said, if I went back and I changed anything, I wouldn't be where I am. It wouldn't have happened that way. So everything that happened in my life that brought me to where I'm at right now, if I like where I'm at right now, if I'm the recipient of God's blessing in my life right now, I can't despise anything that led me here. I have to own my story. And even the things that at the time hurt, looking back, that was exactly what had to happen. It played a vital role. So you have to look back and you have to reevaluate it and say, based on you know, the part it played in my story as the pages turned and the chapters went on, it was actually a good thing. It had to happen. And when you reevaluate that, what you can do is it makes it easier to let go of bitterness because you can look back and you can like find value even in the things that hurt you the most if you like the way your story has turned out, I guess. And for me, that's what gives me joy. I'm going to continue to make mistakes. I'm going to continue to struggle with things sometimes. I'm going to continue to, you know, repeat affirmations to myself. I mean, you keep on going through this, but what brings me the most joy is that God somehow took my screwed up life and he made it into this beautiful story of redemption 
You know, doesn't everybody love a story of redemption where somehow people get healed, somehow relationships get put back together? And I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. To me, joy and gratitude and peace, they're all just like, they're the same thing. They just all go together. You're not going to have joy if you're not at peace with who you are, you know. If you're hanging on to bitterness, you've just got to accept who you are, and that's what all of you are talking about, accepting who you are. That's beautiful. Once you accept who you are and accept the fact that your life is a journey, where you're at right now, even if you're in a low place, however I feel about this, this is not the story. This is not the conclusion. This is one page in the sacred story of my life. And every chapter, however hard it may be, had some opportunity for transformation, some breakthrough, you know, where, where I saw God working in my life. And in your life, these stories become, you know, this, the chapters in the sacred Bible of your life. And you revisit them over and over again. And your faith becomes built on the fact that God is present. Your faith is based on the experience you've had of God working in your life and transformation. And, you know, to me, that's, that's what joy is all about, seeing your life as a sacred story that God is working in, even through the darkest uh, times. It just changes everything. Steve, I didn't know you had a NPR radio voice. <laughs> Can you please read books to me before I bed? <laughs> I don't even, what am I even doing up here? How am I supposed to follow any of this? Y'all, can we just give everyone who is brave enough to come up here a hand? I'm so emotional now, so thank you. I don't know how I'm supposed to get through the meaningless crap I wrote <laughs> that don't hold a candle to the stories that y'all shared. I'm so honored to have you speak. And honestly, y'all need to talk more. That was, this is way more important than anything I would ever say. That was fabulous. Thank you for doing that. Um, I guess I'll talk. <sighs> Trophy Fish doesn't open until noon, okay? So it's not like you're going anywhere else. You may not know this, my middle name is Joy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was named this for a couple reasons. My, because apparently I was a happy baby, like to the point where my mom would like leave me in the crib because I would wake up and just like sing to myself. Until, she would just leave me there until I cried. I wish that was my life. Nova wakes up screaming. <laughs> She's like, give me food, Lord, no. <laughs> no, it, it scares me when she wakes up in the morning because it's always before me. But my middle name was Joy. And I was happy, but also they named me my middle name Joy because I have an older brother, but in between my older brother and me, my parents had another baby that died when he was 10 weeks old. And so when I arrived, it was like this huge celebration. They actually took me home from the hospital with no name. I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. You, but they just said like baby girl on the birth certificate. They had to go back and change it because my mom was like, I couldn't name you. I hadn't met you. Okay, so they, named, they decided on a name, and they took me back, and they changed the birth certificate, and I was pretty much always happy as a child, aside from like, you know, my emo period as a teenager that everyone has, but I was like pretty happy as a kid. I was so happy and so positive, in fact, that my nickname in, in high school and for part of college was Bubbles, 
Don't call me that, okay? It's not appropriate. I had to kill that nickname when I was like 25. I was like, okay, y'all, y'all got to stop calling me this. I sound like I work somewhere <laughs> else. <laughs> this is not an appropriate nickname. <laughs> but like, I, happiness like, is one of the gifts God has given me. And I give it to other people. Um, I love that joy is my middle name. Like, I love to be happy. I love to feel excitement and wonder and magic. And like, it's just so good. I love to laugh and I love to make other people smile. And I love listening to stupid jokes. Like, I laugh at my husband's dad jokes that he's had since we married 10 years ago. They're terrible. I love them so much. Like, if you want to tell me a bad joke, I won't groan. I will laugh. I love to have dance parties in the living room, specifically to the Monk theme song, because it's great. <laughs> like I, the good in life, sometimes I feel like I can make it bigger. Like I can amplify it, um, which sounds pretty good, right? It is good, but it's not the whole story because nothing ever is the whole story, right? Everything good is not good and the bad things are not all bad. So there's two more parts to that story. The first part is in my house growing up, there was not a lot of space for negative emotions. Like sadness or anger or frustration. Like the goal was always to get back to being happy, to get back to being calm. And this was never explicitly mentioned. It wasn't like there was a plaque on the wall that was like, be happy. It's just the way it was. Both my parents had dealt with some stuff as kids and they worked very hard to not pass that on to my brother and I. Um, and they did a really good job at it. Like they sheltered the heck out of us. Anything that could hurt us or make us sad or harm us in any way or make us grow up too quickly, like they spent all of their energy protecting us from the world, which totally worked for a while. Like, I had, great. I don't have, like, really, I don't have bad memories as a kid. But the third part of the story is I've come to realize as an adult, especially in the last five or six years, I was, like, a deeply feeling kid. So, like, when I was happy, I was, like, really happy. And when I was sad, I was really sad. <laughs> like, you know the people that cry at, like, Dawn's on the Angels puppy commercial. Just imagine me like for every commercial. <laughs> like I, just, I just feel that. Like it didn't take much to make me smile, but it also does not take a lot to make me cry. And my emotions were on this roller coaster all the time, which I'm sure was profoundly exhausting for my parents, who did the best they could. This is no knock on them, right? They did the best they could with the resources they had. And um, information on emotional regulation was not one of the resources that they had. <laughs> So they did, like, nobody was talking about gentle parenting back. That was not a thing, right? Um, so I just, like, internalized the message that happy is good and sad is bad. I, Nova has this book called Happy Baby, Sad Baby. And it's literally just a baby, like a line drawing of a baby being happy and sad. He, like, has a kitty, and it's like, happy baby. And he drops his ice cream cone, sad baby. And she loves it. She's obsessed with it. Do you want to grab the other mic? Sure. Okay, turn me off. <laughs> Hello. Oh, that's way louder. <laughs> okay. Check, check, check. I'm scared. <laughs> it was really easy for me to internalize that message because I was a happy person anyways, right? So if negative emotions came up, I just did what any normal, mature, healthy person did and I ignored them um, or suppressed them or occasionally wrote very dark, depressing poetry about them, specifically when I was like 16. I was like, nobody understands my pain. 
Simple Plan is the only band that gets me. <laughs> Which honestly, like, <laughs> questionable decisions. <laughs> questionable. <laughs> I'm like, how did I even turn into the adult that I am? Well, <laughs> like, spoiler alert, deeply feeling kids turn into deeply feeling adults. It never goes away. It didn't go away when I graduated high school or college or got married or started a church or had a baby. It's all still there. Yay for me. And no matter how you've been raised or what kind of person you are, the deeply feeling kind, or if you're just like, life's a little calmer, so jealous of you, but like life's a little calmer for you, the feelings are still there. And it seems like we're living in a space where we're just asked to be feel things all the time, 24-7, like feel things. Are you feeling things? You should feel more. You should feel bad. You should feel really bad. But also, you know, don't forget to count your blessings. Like, we get this constant flow of fear and bad news and anxiety and disasters and political nonsense and just like bad news stories 24-7. And it used to be you could say like, all you see on TV is just bad news. Um, do you even watch t like actual TV? No. You streaming people? Same. You escaped it, right? All the bad news because you don't watch TV anymore? No. <laughs> No. Every morning, it's like, oh, what's wrong with the world? Well, let's check social media. Here's a list of 10 things that are wrong with the world. And also, let me check the weather app. It doesn't matter what kind of weather you wanted. It's not the kind you're getting. Now back to you, John, for 10 more hours of how everything is wrong with the world. And then, you know, like on your break from work, here's another person ranting about nonsense on Facebook. And then uh, in your afternoon, on your lunch break, you're like, this is terrible and life sucks and I hate this. And so I'm just going to go on TikTok and like laugh at a few videos and escape from the endless black hole of the world. And then at the end, you know what would be great before bed? Just a little bit of doom scrolling. <laughs> it's worse. It's worse now. Because you can turn the TV off. And at least there's commercials. Like, I mean, there's a whole thing about being advertised to, et cetera. But like, at least there was like Taco Bell. Does Taco Bell ever try to make you feel bad? No. <laughs> There's not even Taco Bell ads on social media. You don't even get a break. For many of us, I think joy is like this long time no see emotion that you haven't had for months or years or maybe since the beginning of 2020. Hmm. Like it pops in occasionally when you're like with your friends, you see a good movie or you have a good joke or like you get to spend time with your friends, okay? But it's not the emotion that's underneath everything. And Joy has a couple of definitions. We already talked about them, right? One of them is this feeling of like intense happiness and just like, mm, yes, that's joy, right? But also, the definition we don't like as much is that joy is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. <laughs> that's really hard to access. Contentment with what? I'm not content. Here's a non-exhaustive list of the things that I'm currently not content with. The way my baby sleeps. I wish she would sleep. I wish she was not up at 4.45 this morning. Did not wake up happy. Why can't she be more like me? I want there to be more money. I want uh, someone to cook me dinner so I don't have to. <laughs> and also, I would love if someone would come and clean my bathrooms. I hate that chore. I want more hours in a day obviously, so I can fill them with more things on my to-do list and more anxiety. I want my faith life to be more meaningful. I want a lot of things. Contentment? What the F? Excuse my strong letters. The problem is contentment is the prerequisite to joy in our lives. 
You don't get joy unless you have some contentment. It doesn't have anything to do with our present circumstances. It's a state of mind. Dang it. And I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, here is, what is the book? The book of Philippians in the Bible. It's often called the happiest book in the Bible. It's a tiny book, y'all. Tiny. It, ha- it says joy and rejoice more than any other book in the New Testament. And guess who wrote it? Paul in prison. He was content in a prison cell. He was happy. He was joyful. And that makes me want to punch him in the face. (laughs) Which is a really awful thing to do to someone who's already in jail. (laughs) Like, your life sucks. And um, because you're not upset about it, I'm going to now make your life worse. (laughs) Uh, How dare he? (laughs) How dare he be happy and content in jail? And if he really felt felt that way, like, well, he obviously had some special connection to God that I don't have. Because my life is not as bad as being in jail, and I am not that content. And then shame always creeps in, right? Like, huh? what's wrong with me that I'm not content? What's wrong with me that I'm not happy? What is that? Why does he get to be happy and I don't get to be happy? Why do they have it all together? There's, <laughs> I wrote this in my notes. There's a popular phrase in the Bible that reads, the joy of the Lord is our strength. <laughs> Y'all have all heard this, specifically today. <laughs> But we write it on plaques. It's like a very popular Christian bookstore kind of a thing. I don't know if this is a popular or unpopular opinion. I'm really glad that Christian bookstores like don't exist anymore. <laughs> that was a burn specifically for Jarrett, who used to live at a live at <laughs> work at. <laughs> he used to live in a Christian bookstore. <laughs> I I mean they're fine, but like you know, I'm tired of the plaques. I'm tired of the happy music and like the precious moments figurines and like, ugh, ugh, like the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know where this came from? This is the same problem when we have Philippians and we're like, it's the happiest book in the Bible. And then we're like, but Paul wrote it in prison. This is the joy of the Lord is your strength was said in Nehemiah when the Israelites came back from forced deportation where they had lived for a very long time in Babylon. They come back. They're just like the worst. Everything sucks. And they rebuild the walls, so finally, you know, people will stop killing them. That's how their life was. So the walls are built, and then they find these scrolls. And they're like, oh, these are sacred scrolls of the Torah, the, fir- the, Hebrew, the first five parts of the Hebrew scripture, and we, we haven't seen these in so long. We should ha- have a party and read them out loud. Obviously, these are God's instructions. They must say something important. We should read them to each other. And so Ezra, the faith leader, is like reading them, and the people just get super depressed. Because it's a whole list of instructions of things they should be doing to show how much they love God and like want to be in relationship with God. And they're not doing any of them. In fact, most of them probably hadn't even heard of these instructions because they haven't even been in the country for a long time. And so they're re- and they're just so depressed. And they're like, well, we haven't, we haven't been doing this. We didn't even know we should be doing this. God must be really mad at us. And their houses were destroyed and people were trying to kill them. So it was all around a great situation. And they're just dejected. And instead of condemning them, this is what God says. Do not mourn or weep. Go and enjoy some choice food and sweet drinks. And give some to the people who don't have any prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What What does it mean that the joy of the Lord is our strength? Could it be that even when we are not joyful, God is still delighted in you? 
could it be that even when we can do nothing but cry or when we are overwhelmed by our pain, we're not too much for God? Could it be that the joy of the Lord, that phrase, is actually God's joy in us? Not some mysterious thing that we're trying to access that other people have that we don't have. It's God's thing that happens regardless of what's happening in our lives that God gives to us. Who delights in us and finds joy in us even when we can't find it in ourselves. And we can borrow it. We can borrow some of God's joy for ourselves. Just like we borrow calm from our partners when we're upset. Just like we borrow uh, safety from our friends when we're anxious. Just like we borrow laughter from TikTok when we're sad. <laughs> when we don't have any, we're like, can, can I have some? Joy is the weapon that silences shame. You're not too much. God doesn't look at you and be like, F. God delights in you. God is so joyful about you. God is so happy. God's not up there being like, hmm. What do we have here is I've made a list and I've checked it twice and you are decidedly on the naughty list. Not only will you have coal in your stocking, I will hate you for eternity. God's not, I'm being dramatic, but like God's not doing that, <laughs> okay? God looks at you and feels delight and joy and love, even when you cannot find those things in yourself. Joy is not the absence of suffering. It's the presence of God and the presence of you all. It's the presence of community. It's the presence of you as your full self. Psalm 118 says this, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's another thing you put on plaques. But like this day, this day, this sad day, this anxious day, this depressing day, this day that's full of rage and anxiety and bitter words and tears, that, yeah, this is the day that the Lord has made. This happy day, this peaceful day, this hopeful day, this day is full of contentment and laughter and good family and friends. These are all the days that the Lord has made too. Can we rejoice and be glad for them? And when we feel discontent or shame or just plain unjoyful, can we remember that even then God is delighted with us? And we can borrow a little bit of that and maybe feel it about ourselves too. This is the part where I would normally call Guiana back up to have some very moving song where you can reflect on the wise words that I have given you. <laughs> and the Lord can speak to you from heaven or inside your heart. Uh, and you will just come out of this building being like, oh, wow, that's so meaningful. Um, but I don't, we don't have a band. <laughs> so I don't think I have any announcements other than Trophy Fish, two blocks that way. They open at noon. She still have 20 minutes, 21 minutes on the world clock. And next week, we will be here. And then the next Sunday, back at SPO, which is why I call the St. Pete Opera. <laughs> and no one gets on board with that with me. Even my husband is like, SPO, it's the St. Pete Opera Company, so shouldn't it be Spock? Yeah. No. <laughs> I call it SPO. It's in my phone is SPO. My phone now autocorrects anytime I write St. Pete Opera, it's like SPO. Okay, so meet at SPO in two Sundays. But meet at the Mar here next week. And now we're going to pray.
and God delights in my seamless transitions. <laughs> God of glory, God of joy, God of ordinary wonders, come and usher us toward life. Keep us from losing touch with all the miracles around us. The way love persists, the way the earth holds us, the way it's never too late for new beginnings. Holy are those moments that catch our breath and catch our attention and catch us off guard with all the wonder of just being alive. The world is constantly pouring out blessings and beauty. The gifts of God are simple and abundant. You, me, us. We gather to remember and treasure everyone. Amen. Thanks for coming, y'all. We're going to tear some stuff down, and then we'll go have some fishes. You don't have to clap. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs>